Wow, so that just happened. That was incredible. Um, here's, I, I, I'm just going to, it's going to be a second. Um, Chris, my friend and our worship pastor that is normally here, called last night and said, hey, I'm sick. I, um, I'll try and come. I'll be there as, I'll be there as long as I could, can. And um, because I know his investment in this team and because I knew who was, I'm just like, just don't come. You're good. And <laughs> they just did that. So that was awesome. Yeah, thanks for that. <clears throat> I can't help but wonder, though, if you were here last week, uh, Chris is a San Diego, um, well, not a San Diego, L.A. Chargers fan. And uh, so we had a little bet that if, if the Broncos won, he was going to have to wear Broncos gear today. So I can't help but wonder if he's sick if, or... Maybe he's legitimately sick because it's been a really rough week for the Chargers. So either way, you can be praying for our friend Chris. And uh, either way, I'm just super thankful for you being here. Um, Advent is this time of, of waiting, this time of, of pressing in, this time that we don't hurry past Christmas. That's what Advent is. And I think as, we, as we're coming into this last week... Um, I'm reminded, and, and here's why I hold on. Here's why I'm wearing Bronco gear. I'm wearing Bronco gear for Chris. You know, I'll just, I'll just take it for him. And actually, Chris's father, I'm not sure if you know, noticed Gabe, who is a, um, Jesus loves Gabe. And uh, <laughs> I'll say that first, and then I'll say he's a Raiders fan. Uh, but he was wearing Broncos colors today, kind of in honor of Chris as well. So still holding on to hope, because I remember there was a season where the Broncos won a playoff game with Tim Tebow at quarterback. So if that can happen, anything can happen, right? Um, as I thought about that, I was actually, I went to training camp a couple of those years that Tebow was around. And honestly, here's the, the thing. When, when he was not under pressure, he, he actually had really nice form. He had his, his arm came up and over and he had good footwork. But under pressure... What happened to him, what happens to all of us is he kind of reverted back to what he always did, right? And kind of this, 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 like, stuff like this. And here's what I'm thinking about this last week of, of this Advent season. That some of you right now, as I said, there's a week left for Christmas, you automatically started panicking. You automatically had felt this weight. You, you, automatic, you started feeling uh, uncomfortable. You started maybe just going, kind of puckering up a little bit. And, and here's the thing. We can think about Advent and kind of when it's, when it's far away, and then all of a sudden we get a little pressure. Oh, my gosh, I have these things to do. I have these things to get. I have these things to, to take care of. And particularly this last week, and we, we kind of lose our form, right? We, we, we panic, and we just kind of revert back to what we've always done. And, man, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that we can, we can press into some of the lessons that we've learned this, this season and maybe pre previous seasons that, that that pressure is fake. That pressure to have to perform, that pressure to have to be a certain thing or get a certain thing or, or achieve this certain thing, it's, it's external and it's fake and mostly it just comes from us. And so my hope that even today, this morning, even these, these next few minutes, you could just take a deep breath and... Uh, and press into, this, press into this beautiful season of Advent without feeling the pressure of it, the pressure of, of Christmas. We're uh, in this series, uh, Songs of Advent, and today we're going to talk about joy to the world. 
Joy to the World was written by a guy named Isaac Watts. He was a, um, a nonconformist pastor, really, in England. And um, uh, he grew up in a church family, and he was struck with uh, this passionless version of Christianity um, that was pervasive in his time. And uh, actually, he wrote this. To see the dull indifference, the negligent and thoughtless error that sits upon the faces of a whole assembly while the psalm is upon their lips might even tempt a charitable observer to suspect the fervency of their inward religion. Now, I speak fluent Isaac Watts, so here's what he's saying. When I look at their faces, I'm not sure they believe what they're singing, right? I'm, I'm not sure that they get it. And so he, he said, I'm going to write songs. I'm going to write some different kinds of songs that actually have some life in them, some fervency in them, and some joy in them. And uh, it was out of that that he wrote Joy to the World. And actually, Joy to the World is not a Christmas song. Actually, it wasn't even, didn't even start as a song. It was a, a paraphrase or a commentary on this psalm we're going to look at, this, this Psalm 98 that we're going to look at a little later. Um, but here's what I was struck with. Here's the question that I hope to answer, that we can answer together, because it's the, it's the question that comes up when we think about joy of the world. When, uh, how can we sing joy to the world when we live in a world full of suffering, when there's so much suffering in our world, and, and not just in our world out there, right, in our world in here? Um, and, and you know as well as I do that, that holidays kind of amplify our grief, right? Uh, during the holidays, emotion, these emotions of grief and loss and sorrow are amplified. They just are. Um, for every single person in this room, our, our holiday table this year will be different than, than what our dream of our holiday table would be. Like, that person should be there. And some of, the, some of that stuff is fresh and some of it is old, but somehow it doesn't ever lose its freshness. For some of us, holidays bring up a, a weird financial pressure that we have this, we have to feel like we have to spend all of this money to, to kind of achieve some stuff. So we have, we have this anxiety. Some of us are grieving that we look back. We're like, oh, we're not, we're not where we're at. We're not where we want to be financially. We're not where we want to be relationally. We're not where we want to be vocationally. And so how in the world in that time do we sing joy to the world? And I think for some of us, some of us maybe have grown up even in a Christian culture that just is like this fake it till you make it culture. Like, too blessed to be stressed. Whatever's happening in my life, I'm just gonna just, just put it behind me, put a smile on my face. We, we could be, I could be sobbing in my car as I turn into the church parking lot. I just go, turn, shove all that bad stuff down. Devil, you can have all that stuff. I'm gonna pretend everything's okay until it's okay. And I, we can't do it. It leads to, to this fake and shallow version of Christianity that is unrecognizable when, it, when, when you look at what Christianity should be like. Um, what, my, what my hope is, is that we could just be honest. Uh, last week I shared that uh, one of my best friends passed away and actually uh, a week ago Thursday I didn't uh, participate in a memorial service in South Carolina, and yesterday I uh, kind of participated in a service here. Um, and I, one of the things I said is, 
Jesus never blesses us or meets us in, in any place other than where we're, where we are right then, right? He doesn't wait for us to get to some other place to bless us, to see us, to meet us. And um, I shared this story of my favorite authors is a lady named Barbara Brown Taylor. I think I've shared it in service before. Um, she writes this book, Learning to Walk in the Dark, and she says, she tells this story. She says, when I was a kid, there's a monster under my bed and a witch in my closet. And when my parents would go away, they would put me down and they would, they would um, kind of then begin the adult portion of their evening, whatever that was like. Um, it got scary, and so I would cry. And, and I would tell them, they would come in and I would tell them, there's a witch under, in my closet and a monster under my bed. And they would turn on the lights and just prove that there's not. Look, there's nobody here, nobody here. And then she concludes with this beautiful thing, how I wish they would have crawled under the bed with me and asked me, what color are the witch's eyes and what's the monster's name? And I think so much of Christianity at times turns to be uh, she, what she calls full solar Christianity. Like, just, let's just turn the lights on. Let's just turn the lights on. See, there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. Instead of just going, oh, where's, where's this grief coming from? What is scaring me? And being able to press into that together. That's, that's what we're going to talk about today. Because here's the, there's the big difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is what the world peddles. Happiness... Um, th this goal of happiness translates to the, to the world's values of doing everything you can to eliminate pain and uh, maximize pleasure, right? Because happiness is the circumstantial base. I feel this way when this thing happens, or I feel this, this way when this thing doesn't happen. And uh, so the world just says, sweet, then just make sure that thing happens a lot and that thing doesn't happen a lot. Just do that. Just control your circumstances and you'll be happy. Well, that's not what Jesus offers. When we talk about joy to the world, it's not that. It's not, it's not just wishing that everything is going to be great. Joy isn't perfect circumstance. Joy is a person. And his name is Jesus. So when we, when we look at, at joy to the world, what we're saying is, is we're, not, we're not hoping for perfect circumstances, that, that, that everything would, would just work out great, but that, that the world would recognize the power and presence and joy of Jesus. I'm going to pray, and, um, and then we're going to do our memory verse. We have our last memory verse that we're going to do together, and then we'll jump into this psalm. Uh, Lord, uh, thanks for what you're doing in us, around us, and through us. I think about the uh, women and men who walked in this room, maybe who, who have done this kind of thing for years and years and years. God, I just ask that today would be uh, another day of encouragement for them, a, a time that, that um, people that call Westwood's home would, would uh, feel seen and loved and known, a time of, of reconnection with each other and with you, and a time of encouragement as we go out to, to live and love and serve this community. God, I pray for guests that just came, that walked in maybe to church itself or to our church for the first time, and pray that, and thank you for their courage walking in, I pray that they would, would walk away feeling seen and known and loved. That they would have a clear picture about who you are. And, and God, I, I know there's people in this room who have no idea why they're here because to them, this Christianity stuff is bogus. But for some reason, they, they responded to an invitation of a friend and they said yes, and they're here. 
Thanks for, for your work, Holy Spirit, that has drawn us all together. Help us all, all of us, no matter what kind of circumstance that we find ourselves in, to know when we leave why we came. Thanks, God. Amen. So when you walked in today, you should have gotten a card that looks like, you know, like a three-by-five card. I left mine over on my seat. I'll get it in a minute. Uh, we are going to take a little, a few minutes to write our memory verse on that. If you didn't get a three-by-five card, you can grab one in the back. So we raise your hand, and Becky will hand one to you. Or you can take a picture of the screen. Here's the verse, Luke 2.10. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. So let's just take a second. We'll write that out, and we'll talk about it in a minute. Ready, go. writing. Um, this is the announcement of the angels to the shepherds when they first appeared. Hey, don't be afraid. And if, if your view of God is some sort of a cosmic policeman that you have to be afraid of, that you, that you tense up with when he's near you, um, God's message to you right now is, hey, don't be afraid. The message of Jesus is good news that will bring great joy all the people, not, the, not this exclusive group, but all people. So uh, let's say it together real quick, and that'll be your first little idea of memorizing it together. Here we go, right, ready, go. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Luke 2.10. Okay, here's the psalm we're going to look at, Psalm 98. So if you brought your Bibles, would you open up to uh, Psalm 98? Hey, Malachi, are the house lights all the way up? There. I think my eyes are just getting dimmer, maybe. That's the problem. I'll just blame it on the house lights. It's easier. So if you don't have a Bible, grab one right around you. If you don't have one at all, take that one, put your name in it. That'll be our Christmas gift to you. Um, some of you are like, that's a great idea. I should grab a couple and give some Christmas gifts away. Um, I'm just going to read through it, and then we'll, we'll come back and kind of walk through it slowly. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness. Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout to joy 
for the, to the Lord all the earth. Burst into jubilant song and with music. Make music to the Lord with harp, with a harp and with the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of a ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound in everything in it. Let the world, or the world, and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and peoples with equity. So he starts and he's like, hey, sing to the Lord a new song. Charles Spurgeon, one of the most famous uh, preachers that ever preached, said this, there must be new songs on new instances or occasions of triumph, he says. Sing a new song, for he has done marvelous things. That word marvelous means surprising, wonderful, amazing, amazing things. When we marvel, there's a, there's a curiosity that bubbles up and it's like, wait, what is happening here? And, and the psalmist, as he begins Psalm 98, he's like, hey, here's the deal. We're going to sing a new song. Our response, as we recognize these marvelous things that God has, has done, will just be to sing this new song, this thing happening. And then he goes and he talks about these three things. In verse 2, the Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness for the nations. This is, this is kind of brings its finality in Jesus because Jesus reveals a God who shows up and saves us. He has made his salvation known. He revealed his righteousness to the nations. Righteousness means right standing with God. He is, he's, made under, he's made known this, this way to connect with God, to have right standing with God. And, and it isn't just for a select few it's for all the nations. Jesus reveals a God who showed up, who shows up and saves us. Saves us from what? You can click that. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Saves us from this futile life. This life of chasing thing after thing after thing after thing. We talk about it almost every week. It, it, it's interesting that the world just continues to promise and disappoint, promise and disappoint, promise and disappoint. Happiness will be found here. You, we get there, we grab that ring, we find it, we get that success, we get to that relational status, we get to that, to that dollar amount in our bank account, and we're like, oh, this is disappointing. And then what do we do? <gasps> maybe, I need to, maybe I need to move the decimal point a little bit. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's a different relational status, or maybe it's a different level of success, or maybe it's a different house, or a different wife, or a different, it just goes on and on and on, and, and uh, we're slow to learn. We're, salvation just saves us from that. Because Jesus comes and says, you, you find life in me. And then look at this next verse. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the earth has seen the salvation of our God. Jesus reveals a God who remembers, who doesn't forget. The, the story of Christmas, there's shepherds that, that, that the announcement we just talked about was made to these shepherds. And, and in that, God's like, hey, I remember you. Even though everyone else in the world pushes you to the side, 
Everyone else in the world says that you have no value. The religious system says you can't even go to the temple. I remember you. And then he goes to marry this, this t- poor teenager girl, and he's like, hey, I, I see you and remember you. And to us, in times of difficulty, when sometimes it's hard to think that God remembers us, to just go, oh, wait, God remembers me. He meets me. He, he is faithful. He, he will do what he said he's going to do. And then he ends this with this interesting thing in verse 7. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands and the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord for or because. Why? Because he comes to judge the earth. And it's like, wah, 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 wah. Like, wait, 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 wait. It should say, because he's, he's so nice. Right? There, there's an, it's an interesting thing. It's like, hey, here's why we can rejoice, because God comes to judge the earth, and we automatically go, we, we like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, when they, when they entered into sin, their first response was to hide from God. And, and I think some of, sometimes when we, think, when we feel judgment, we think, feel God's eyes on us, we feel that same way, like... But he goes on, he doesn't leave it there. He says this. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. Remember what righteousness means? In right standing. That that because of Jesus, we we can stand in right standing with God. And, And we're then judged by who we are, not by what we do, not by what we've done by the work of Jesus on the cross. There's there's this verse um, in Hebrews um, that says, uh, for, uh, well, here's what it says. For the joy set before me endured the cross, scorn its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's talking about Jesus. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down on the right hand of the Father. Do you know, do you know what the joy set before him is? It's relationship with you and relationship with me. Now let's read that verse again. For the joy set before him, the, the opportunity to, to find in joy this, this relationship with you and I, he endured the cross. The, the, the ultimate torture, the the ultimate way to die. Maybe that's ever been designed by men. Why? Because we are the joy set before him. That's, That's who we are. So joy isn't a perfect circumstance. We're not singing this song hoping that if we sing it loud enough and long enough that our circumstances will change and make us happy. Joy is a, is a person, and his name is Jesus. So our memory verse, bring you good news of great joy that will bring you great joy. That's a person, Jesus. So we've been doing a practice every, every week in this series. We've just been saying, hey, here's a spiritual practice or a discipline. And discipline is something like, um, this, this will enable me to do something that I can't do just by trying harder. Does that make sense? Like, 
Uh, it drives me crazy when professional basketball players don't make a free throw. Like, come on. You, if you practice, if you did that, you should be able to do that, right? And um, so we, we enter into these practices or these disciplines. There's some things we can choose to do that will help us do what we can't do just by gritting our teeth and trying real hard. And so the practice this week is, is this idea of practicing the presence of God, practicing the, the everyday, every moment presence of God. And, and here's, um, here's, here's the practice. Some, I think the first one was silence and solitude. T- take some time each day, take a deep breath, turn everything off and just be silent and alone and just say, oh wait, this is valuable. Not because I'm learning something or producing something or writing something down or adding to the GNP, whatever that is, but because I am existing in the presence of God. And then we talked about laying down. We talked about practice, the practice of generosity. And today is this practice of practicing the presence of God. And, and here's what, I'm, what I encourage you to do. There's gonna be moments this week that are gonna be, that are gonna be stressful. You're gonna just feel your neck stiffening. For me, I don't know if it's you, my shoulders just get closer and closer to my ears as my stress level goes up, right? And I start going like this. As you start feeling that happen, I just want you to, to whisper this prayer. Holy Spirit, open me up to experience your presence and whatever, just fill in the blank in this moment. Because it could be, it could be peace. It could be hope. It could be love. It could be joy. But that, but it's just that prayer, that simple prayer, Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm not, I'm, we're not saying, Holy Spirit, meet me in this place because we know he's here already. Holy Spirit, uh, I show up in my life. We know he's there already. I'm just, we're just like, open me up to experience your presence and your joy in this moment. In joyful moments, in difficult moments, in moments when it's not, when it's not your shoulders going up, maybe it's the anger in your in your stomach because this person just cut you off in traffic or because that person uh, at work devalued you or because uh, someone disrespected you in some way and just in that moment, hey, Holy Spirit, will you just meet me? We we open up, open me up, my mind, my heart, my spirit to experience your presence and your peace, your joy, your love, your hope in this moment. There's a, um, a guy named Frank Laubach that wrote... Um, it's actually a journal. He was a, he was a missionary in the Philippines in the 1930s, late 29, like 29, 30, 31. Um, and he had this profound experience with the presence of God. And I'm just gonna read a little bit from his journal. We're gonna read it together. It just says this, the most wonderful discovery that has ever come to me is that I don't have to wait until some future time for this glorious hour. I, I need not sing, oh, that thy, will thy glory for me and wait for any grave. I don't have to wait till I die to experience it. This hour can be heaven. Any hour for anybody can be as rich as God. And then he goes on to say this next part. And his question is, how far will this man or that woman allow me to carry this hour? This Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, just this random time, just this random Tuesday or Sunday at three o'clock, he's asking about us all. I don't know what the rest of you said, but it's for me, I ask God, how wonderful dost thou wish this hour alone with thee to be? Just he's saying, hey, we don't have to wait. The more, the more we press into this understanding that we are fully present with God can be the best hour that we've ever had that anyone, he goes on to say, has ever had. And this guy named Frank Laubach, 
Letters from a Modern Mystic is the name of the book. And actually, there's a QR code I'm going to put up on the screen. It's a free PDF online if you want to take that and just read through his journal entries and just walk through this experiment. That's what he calls it. I'm just experimenting with what it would be to have more and more of my life fully engaged in the presence of God. Um, let's do that. The band is going to come back up, and we're going uh, to sing this song, Joy to the World. And uh, as they come back up, I'm, I'm going to read and walk through these lyrics because as we sing them, I want, I want us to sing them to its fullness. So it starts off, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. And then answers how that does that. Let every heart prepare him room. Here's the, here's the deal. He's saying joy to the world. Jesus is in the world. The Lord has come. That's why we have joy. Let earth receive her king. And I think there's a sense of like, uh, it's not just talking about the world. He says, and here's how that happens. By every heart preparing him room. By saying, oh, you know what? Start with me. King Jesus, start, start with me. Rule and reign my life, my mouth, my, my arms, my pocketbook, my schedule, my feet, where I go. Rule me. And then he says, here's, here's, here's the response to that. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. It's like all of this things happen. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. I'll turn to that next slide. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, nature itself will do this. And then he says, he rules the world with truth and grace, right? Judgment and grace. That, yeah, he comes to judge in what? In his righteousness. And make the nations prove, it's like, hey, watch how this plays out over and over and over. That when we, when we chase our own things, it's disappointing. And when we, when we submit to what God wants for our life, we find life. It's like, hey, over and over and over, let the nations just prove this is what's going to happen. The glories of his righteousness, like the marvelousness of connection with God. And then look, the wonders of his love. And as we sing that, I want you to remember, we are the joy set before him. And it makes no sense why, why God would come to earth and lay down his power to display his love, why a king would lay down his crown. He just does. And it's wonderful. It's marvelous. Let's press into that. Would you stand if you're able? I'm going to pray for us. And, and we're going to sing together. Jesus, I have sung this song, I don't know, a thousand times. And I want this time to be different. I know sometimes that I, sometimes we have put you in this category of like, if... Uh, my life will be happy if you do these five things for me. And, and I'm sorry for that. I ask forgiveness for, for me and for us. Instead, God, our prayer today is that we can find joy because we see you. And we want to see you in more and more in every moment of our lives. Open our, our lives, Holy Spirit. Open our minds and our ears to see you to see what you're doing in every moment of our lives, to recognize your presence and to find joy 
not in some circumstantial change, but in recognition of your presence. Lord, we pray for this last week of this Advent season that we would continue to slow down, that, that as, we, as we catch our shoulders rising or our stress level rising, that, that in those moments we would be open to see and experiencing you. So God, I pray that we would sing this as a prayer that those of us who have said yes to you, just say, as we sing, let every heart prepare him room, that, that we would be making room in our hearts for you. And maybe people across this room are just, are just ready maybe to say that for the first time. Maybe they're there as they sing this, that would be a prayer. Let every heart pre- prepare him room. It's like that invitation for Jesus to meet us in our hearts, all of us. Thank you for the wonders of your love. Help us to marvel at it and to never get used to it. Thanks, God.